shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome to day five of 10 Days of Ten Hag. Welcome back to where we are in the world. Myself and Rob are both in the UK and we are sweltering. This is probably the hottest Rob that's ever been, 40 degrees. So I hope wherever you are, you are, uh, yeah, you're not as hot and as bothered as we are. But today, Rob, we're going to talk about Lissandro Martinez, Manchester United's third signing, or should I say second signing, because Ericsson has also been announced. And uh, he's a player who I'm very, very excited to see. He's a player who will bring a lot of versatility to Man United. But there is also a big debate, isn't there, where he's going to play. You know, he can play left-back, he can play centre-back, which is his preferred position. He can play in midfield. We will break that down all today. Welcome back. What's your thoughts on this signing? Because I'm very happy at the signing. We might have overpaid a little bit, I do think. You know, 55 million euros is steep. Um, you'd, you'd assume he started that price as well because it's, it's a big investment. But uh, yeah, how are you about feeling about the signing? I feel great about it and I couldn't give two whatevers how much he cost. Keep hearing it a lot the last week that maybe we've paid too much for this guy. He plays near a Divisie. He's not six foot eight, all of this rubbish. What are you actually getting and why are you actually getting it? Well, you need better ball control from the back. You need more progression. You need more aggression. You need someone who can come in from day one and hit the ground running and do 10 hard things. So I think that that's invaluable. I don't care if it's 55 million, 65 million, 75 million. It's not our money, is it? It's someone else's. We should be buying players to win football matches and to win trophies. So I called him last week that I think he might turn out to be the most important sign-in of the next year for Manchester United because he moves the needle, Haydar, in significant areas. I know everyone wants Frankie de Jong. I know there's been a lot of talk about kind of what will Ericsson do? Will he be a 10? Will he do this? Will he do that? The other woman, Malachia, play on the left or will it be sure? But this guy is going to play. He's going to be the starting centre-back. And we're going to talk about why he's going to be centre-back and not as a defensive midfielder. Absolutely. And guys, look, thank you for all your comments and all your support. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button as well. A lot of familiar faces in the comments. Great to see you all and a lot of new listeners as well. So make sure you do check out all the previous content. We do have four more days of Ten Hag that you can look if you haven't seen that. Rob, let's start with just a few comments from Ten Hag uh, before we bring up some, some statistics. So something Ten Hag did say very, very recently, I believe he said it today. Uh, he said that he's a warrior. I think the fans will admire him. He has an attitude and fighting spirit. He brings aggressiveness in the game in a good way. I think we need that. He's also skillful. He can deal with the ball and he's left-footed. There's some really nice buzzwords in there that I like. Aggressiveness, something this Man United squad lacks in absolute bucket loads. We know that something I would say about this Man United squad is I think there's a there's a soft centre to it. I don't see many players there who are going to you know put a foot in, who are going to... Stand up physically. I do think that 
we do lack leadership as well, Rob. I did see uh, a lot of people saying, you know, within a year's time, they could possibly see Martinez captain of Man United because, you know, that's the sort of character he is. Um, and Ten Hag absolutely trusts him and loves him. What I also like is the fact that, you know, he's skillful as well. He can play. We know he can play. And if anyone has watched him play, he's got a fantastic center of gravity. He's brilliant at picking the ball up, turning, making a pass. He's a playmaker, essentially playing. I, I like to say that he's got the center of gravity of almost almost a number 10 role, but he's playing back at center back. So these are some very interesting things that Ten Hag has said. He is essentially going to start the attacks alongside whoever he partners at center back. Yes, because football and attacking starts at centre back. So something we've said on previous masterclasses. Let's go back in time. As we said to so Rio Ferdinand and Emmanuel Vizic, the ball would be at Ferdinand's feet, and Ferdinand's outlet ball would be to Carrick or to a fullback, or pushing it even higher up the pitch if he could get up there. So in a way, Harry Maguire was bought to do that by previous managers. We know that obviously Ole bought the player, but we know going back to Jose Mourinho, that Mourinho wanted him. And the reason why you were buying Harry Maguire was to be a ball player and a ball carrier. And it's not quite worked out. So why is that not worked out? Well, I think Ten Hag might say from day one, I think it's because he's not left footed on that side. It's harder to be a ball carrier on the opposite side to your foot when you are naturally pl a player on the opposite side. So everyone would say, oh, well, Harry Maguire's played left side to centre-back his whole career. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. But I think that this is a stylistic issue. And we've seen that like all the top coaches in Europe will play with a left-footed player at the left side of centre-back. It is not a new thing. It's not a massive dynamic. It's that these coaches all do it. And Ten Hag is one of them. So I think when he looks at Manchester United's stats from last year, scored 57 goals in the Premier League, conceded 57 goals in the Premier League. He's trying to find a way to improve that on both ends. So it starts at centre-back going forward, but it also means, like you just used the word aggression there, and obviously that's something that's been touted around, it's controlled aggression. It's not Aaron Wambasaka sliding into the tackle aggression where you have to do it to save your backside. It's someone who knows that they can look after the space behind them and shepherd forwards into areas where you can control them. Some good comments here, Rob. One from Hele saying he claims he'll walk over dead yeah. bodies to get where he needs to be. I do like that. The Butcher of Amsterdam is what he's known as. Or the Butcher of Manchester. Manchester now. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. And a uh, good comment here from Masood as well saying he's going to be a cult hero with the fans. I really do think so as well. Look, it's very early days, but he's exactly the sort of player that may not have been lacking. We've, we've had some good... I mean, I've been fond of our South American players, our Argentinian players. I mean, no, Veroni was your favourite. He's your favourite ever player for Man United or one of your favourite. I loved Carlos Tevez, Rob, and it, it really actually broke my heart. I was young at the time. I was only 13 when we had Tevez, Rooney and Ronaldo. And I absolutely adored Carlos Tevez. And when he went to City, that was horrible. But he was an absolute terrier, wasn't he? He was just, he just covered every blade of grass. He was skillful. He was, he was you know, dynamic, aggressive. It was everything you wanted. I liked Gabriel Ainsley as well until he decided he wanted to go to Liverpool. I mean, he's another player that I really did like. Didn't like Di Maria, but, you know, United have had generally a pretty good um, success rate with Argentinian players, haven't they, at Manchester United? Yeah, I, I think it really is about kind of DNA in terms of what you're looking for to try and build. So, in many ways, this is a, is a jump forward for, for Ten Hag in terms of his team building. Why? Because he knows this player. He knows exactly what this player does. And then on the flip side, this player knows what this manager wants. 
Now, of course, you can train players and you can get there eventually, but there's a jump here. And this is the premium of the price. So, like, you talked about Pau Torres there, and there's been, again, a lot of talk today that I think they said uh, Ten Hag overruled the scouting department. Well, Man United haven't got a scouting department. They all got sacked. So I don't know what that's all about. That's a complete nonsense story. And, yes, Pau Torres was on the list. Pau Torres is still a top player. He's still got a release clause. But you go and get Martinez because Martinez, I think, gives you that extra bit of bite. You know, so if you're going to play him against with with a Varane or a Maguire or a Lindelof or a Baye, you want someone there that can just look after that channel and not have to worry about it. And that's why it doesn't matter if you're over six foot or not for this kind of player in this style. Harry Maguire is over six foot. Does that help him at centre back? No, because the ball stays on the ground more now than it does in the air in the Premier League. I do want to say, Rob, as well. Look, I'm five foot nine, and the way they talk about Martinez is as, as if he's, he's he's tiny. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are overblowing that because I think we're going to look at the statistics later. But you look at, for example, I don't know, Lindelof, who's bigger than him. His, his aerial jewels are awful. So it's not necessarily about your size, is it? It's about how you, your timing, your you know, your aggression, your your willingness to obviously go after the ball. So I think, you know, I think a lot of people are just jumping on the height thing as well. Um, and we'll, we'll look at the stats later. So I do want to talk about quickly, though, is um, just some of his, some of the attributes that he'll bring to to the thing. So, for example, you know, we know he's a proactive defender. That's very, very important for Ten Hag system. Aggressive in duels, we know that. Good vision and awareness, which is very, very important. Mobility and athleticism, which Maguire is a player that doesn't have and he struggles. And I think Mm. We can talk a little bit about Ten Hag system as well as we go on because it's a dynamic 4-2-3-1 that we're seeing currently in uh, pre-season. And I'm really enjoying, I know it's small sample size, I'm enjoying seeing, you're starting to see some key fundamentals and, and some of the principles and the things they want to do and some of the patterns. Um, but what you are seeing is that I did I did see that with Maguire and Lindelof, wasn't it? And I don't know if they can play the high line. I know it's not all about pace, but it's about mobility, athleticism, which is important. Good ball, uh, ball progression is another one. Technique as well. He's, he's very, very competent. Good uh, good technical fundamentals. He's quick as well. Like, I wouldn't say his top speed is quick, but he's quick off the mark, and that's important. He's also quick with his with his head as well, and he's a great long passer. So there's some, some let's say, some of some of his attributes, and that's the profile of player he is. So when, we, when we're talking about that, how does he stack up then maybe against our current crop? Uh... It's just miles better than all of them, let's be honest. Like, Varane's got the reputation, but Varane's been at United for a year now and has been injured, and we've not really seen anything like the Rafael Varane that we would want to see. So we hope that that can change now, you know, in the next year and moving forward. But he is he's technically and defensively miles ahead of Manchester United's defensive stock. So... That might sound like overkill because he's a new signing and whatnot. You know, we talked there about heading and stuff like that. He's better in the air than Harry Maguire. His stats in the air are better. So I, if Harry Maguire Harry Maguire's famous for heading the ball, isn't he? You know, came to Man United as slabhead, you know, put it on his head and he'll score a goal or head it away. But we don't see that because Manchester United stylistically not being that kind of team. So I think what's important here is that Eric Ten Hag is going to try and build a Manchester United that stylistically will fit Martinez and again, vice versa. And, and I think it has become vital now that you have that left-sided centre-back on the left side. Whereas let's say for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it wasn't important. It wasn't a big thing. You also just spoke there about 
Victor Lindelof. I can remember so many games at Manchester United where the ball would be kicked towards Victor Lindelof from the opposition side and Harry Maguire would have to go over and head the ball away. That's how bad Victor Lindelof Lindelof is heading the ball. So I'm not kind of surprised that the new manager has gone, well, I don't really need someone on the left side to head the ball, but his heading stats are actually really, really good. So I just think that, that again, when you look at the players that you've already got or you're going to rotate around, it's going to be Martinez plus one. So Martinez is going to be the starting centre-back and he will be the leader at the back in used to there about captaincy. Um, again, foreign coaches, foreign fans, foreign footballers, they're not really into the whole captaincy thing. It's us in the UK here that get obsessed with who's the captain, who's got, who's got the armband, it means something. But I did say that I think Martinez in a year's time might well be the captain simply because he will be the heartbeat of that defence. And he'll be the aggressor. He'll be the one at the back telling people what to do. He'll be giving the instructions. He's intelligent. He's got leadership skills. And he's at a good age. He's at a good age to kind of say, look, I'm here to do a job. And yeah, I love all of that, you know, rhetoric that he has been saying about how he how he thinks. And also he said about, you know, he needs to feed his family. He still thinks like that. You know, he's the guy that was poor once upon a time. And he thinks that, I have to go and feed my family, look after my family and look after my team. Bring it on. That's what I want. We want more of that. You know, we've had too many superstars in our football team or players that earn big money that simply don't think like that. Let's quickly touch on position. Um, I think myself, a lot of fans hope that maybe he would come in, play in midfield for a year. Initially, maybe with Frankie de Jong, which immediately elevates Man United's quality in midfield from Fred, especially on the ball. And then, you know, maybe in the years now he'd filter back and drop back into defence and he would take that position. I do want to read out something that Ten Hag said in 2021 when he was in charge of Ajax. And he said this, he said that Daily Blint does not have the running capacity to play in midfield and neither does Martinez. It further indicates that, uh, you know, he has only one idea of where he wants him to play in this team. There's a lot of quotes coming out as we're doing this show saying, you know, that he has the capability to start. This is Ten Hag saying this. So he's going to be a starter. What is your view on that? Because there has there has been, you know, comments that Ten Hag has said, but could it be a case of you know he's having to manage a very very large rebuild? There's going to be a lot of components and players that he's got to bring in. We've said this many times. He won't be able to bring everybody in in one transfer window. So is there is there a possibility that maybe he could in some games play in midfield alongside Frankie Dion, and then you know as the season goes on. He's dropped back, may not bring in the midfield the next year, and, and then you know they carry on growing. So maybe this is obviously not peak Ten Hag football and peak Ten Hag system, but he's gonna to have to make and do with a couple of players here and there. Yes, and, and I think again that I know we've covered this ground before, but we'll do it because it's it's pertinent to to Martinez and what we're talking about. Manchester United fans are obsessed with the whole defensive midfield thing, they're massively obsessed with it, and they're obsessed with it because in kind of lots of people's heads, a defensive midfielder is the guy who looks after your defenders. Yeah, he comes back, he does that work. He's that player in front of the the back two. He kind of will fit in the pocket and help. You don't need that if you've already got a defensive midfielder playing centre-back. You don't. But Martinez has been bought to be both players. He's going to do both jobs. He doesn't care whether he's playing centre-back or central or playing central defensive midfield. But I think as you've seen already in the earliest days with Ten Hag now with the tour, he plays a kind of double pivot, which is a progressive style, much different to Ole's. 
but you see how they interchange and you have defensive cover and the ball is it's not the same as United used to kind of stop teams and then try and get going on a counter-attack. That's not what it is. What it is, it's get the ball back quickly and pass your way out of trouble. That's why you've got Martinez. Martinez will do that job. He will step out of the pocket as the centre-back and do what Rio did. So Rio used to kind of be almost like a, a defensive midfielder, yet people would call Carrick a defensive midfielder. But he wasn't defensive at all. He was a screener and he was a, he would get the ball and he'd move it on. So again, I think this comes down to a lot about what fans desire because people talk about it like you're going out and buying an Ndidi. You know, you're going out and getting that kind of defensive midfielder and Martinez could be that style because he's aggressive. No, not at all. That's not how it is. The ball is going to, it's going to be more like Daly Blind when he played centre-back for United and also played centre-back, obviously, at Ajax, is that he will be in charge of ball progression. And you'll see with Martinez that there won't be any of this sideway passes all day long. He's not going to be giving the ball five yards to Luke Shaw. He's going to be sprinting past the def the, the attacker who's pressing him, going into midfield and having acres of space and making passes and making plays. So that's what Martinez is good at. He is a kind of natural ball player, his natural flair player from the back. And his stats, when you look at that side of his game, are off the chart. You know, that's why I say he's so much better than anything we've got, because it's about how you fit, isn't it, in a team? So that's what Martinez will do. He will be a midfielder, but he'll be doing that from the centre-back position. And people go, oh, but how can you do that? Well, he'll work hard. He'll chase, he'll harry, and when he has to, he'll kick people into row Z, and I'm quite happy with that. Something I want to add, Rob, Before we look at the statistics about preseason, some of um, is boys. You can see two high eights. Am I still here, by the way? Can you see me? All good. Just back. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You might have to yeah, repeat what back. you just said. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. It's the heat. It's absolutely uh, killing all of my all, all of my wife and everything. But look, from what I've seen from preseason, the four-two-three-one is what we've seen at the minute. Very progressive, though, dynamic. Very different to what we saw under Oli. Uh, you know, almost night and day in that respect. You see the build-up as well. Like you said, the single pivot, two defenders and a single pivot. And that's why I think that I can understand why he would play Martinez at centre-back. The reason why I say that is because you've seen Iqbal play at times out. You've seen McTominay play, two players. Iqbal has been very good at his spatial awareness, turning with the ball, technically very good. I've been really impressed with him. So I can actually see Frank de Jong playing in that position. So this is why when... I've seen Ten Hag's system in, in you know in you know more detail now. You can see why he didn't go for Kamara or Akante. Do you understand? He didn't yeah. want to destroy her. We've been saying this for a while, but this is you can see why he didn't want to destroy her because he's playing, uh, let's say, a, a, I'm going to say defensive midfielder. Let's say it's Frankie Dion. Pick up the ball, start the attack. Great progressive passer, break the lines. But then he's playing two high eights. Frankie Dion is not going to play as a, as as an eight. It'll be Bruno Fernandez and another. It could be a Christian Eriksen. May not will keep the ball really, really well. So that's why I understand now that it's about ball security. So if you don't keep the ball, they don't need someone to go around breaking up play and then feeding it off five yards to, let's say, to Frankie Dion. So that's what I've seen. And obviously you've seen the width from the wingers and Dallow playing quite inverted. So after seeing all that, I understand now and I can actually see if Frankie Dion should come in, let's say should come in, he, will, he won't be playing, let's say, with Martinez in midfield. I can see why he'd be in defence. 
Possession is nine tenths of the law. So all top coaches, everything has a possession base to it. So yeah, you might counter press. So that's been another part of Man United's game where they've been developing that in the early parts um, of this tour. Kind of expected to see it, but it's it's again it's more within context about seeing what players can do. But the most important thing to do is that if you're playing a team that backs off you, and they do, most teams do, like if they ever press through you, you, you've then got the opportunity to, to play through them in two or three passes and you're out. And what that normally does, it scares opponents. What opponents do, they go into a mid block. So what do you need then? Then you need a centre-back who can carry the ball. You need to carry the ball back into that territory. So this is why Martinez fits the bill better than Pau Torres. Because Pau Torres is a centre-back that can do things with his feet. But Martinez is a, a versatile footballer that can do midfield things with his feet from centre-back. So this is why you're almost, Hader, buying two, one player for two positions. You know, you're not panicking here. And I think, again, United fans, I'm not, not trying to, you know, lambaste the, 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 the fan base at all. But they've been so used to seeing Fred and McTominay forever and ever and ever and ever that they think they know everything that those two players can do. And the only solution is to, of course, put them in a big bin and get brand new midfielders. Well, you're going to get brand new midfielders. There's no doubt about that. That will happen. Frankie de Jong, we believe, will still happen. But there is almost to say that you could waste Martinez as a defensive midfielder. He's probably more dangerous from centre-back if he gets the ball a bit deeper and has a little bit more time. Could actually see everything in front of him. So I think that, uh, again, it's more about, like you said there as well, uh, about the single pivot. What you see with Ten Hag's 4-2-3-1 is that it's closer to 4-3-3 than it is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's 4-2-3-1. When you actually look at the positions on the pitch, it's closer to that 4-3-3 Dutch style. And that's, again, a lot of Dutch commentators have been saying this in the last couple of weeks, saying there's a kind of confusion between a Dutch 4-2-3-1 and, say, a Premier League 4-2-3-1, which is much more rigid. You're going to see United break through the lines and pass through the lines a lot quicker and look like a 4-3-3, even though they're setting up as a 4-2-3-1. Absolutely. And it's all about positional rotations. Oli was very rigid, wasn't he? You know, the double pivot would stay. Um, and they were that was United's weakness, yeah. And that was the issue, yeah. And whereas you're going to see Massively. a very progressive 43 run, so it is actually really exciting. You know, I'm um, being very cautiously optimistic, but I'm liking what I'm seeing initially. Uh, you know, let's say initially, um, I think Ten Hag is a fantastic tactician, and I'm really mm. excited to see when he has more time under his belt with these players what we can do. And look, there's going to be ups and downs. There could be games where we're going to get destroyed because United will be weak in transitions. That will be one of the weaknesses. We saw that with Ten Hag as well. So I think. That's something to we can talk about at another time. But let's look at uh, Martinez's statistics, Rob. So, I mean, look, it's fantastic. We've got these stats from FBF. If you're listening to this on Spotify or any audio platforms, we have the graphic here with, uh, you know, the percentiles of where Martinez ranks against his contemporaries in Europe. And I think, look, the, the really key ones for me, Rob, and we're talking about possession-based football that Ten Hag will play. Progressive carries is the best, one of the best in Europe, 96th percentile. Progressive passes, 99th percentile. He's the best in Europe. Uh, passes attempted, 99th percentile. You know, he's the best in Europe. And then look, if you look further down as well, pressure, 71st percentile. He's mobile, which is good. And tackles, 99th percentile. He's uh, very, very good at that as well. And look, if you want to even go and look at some of the attacking statistics, assists-wise, he has this lovely long pass that he makes. And he was playing at number nine, whether it's Martial uh, or should we say Ronaldo. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with him. But whoever it is making those runs in behind, 
are going to have an absolute field day with him and Christian Eriksen in the same side. And, uh, you know, you also look at the shot creating actions as well. So he's very front foot. And like you said earlier, it's almost like having a midfielder at centre back with that passing mm. range and that creativity. It's going to completely change my United's game. And teams are going to sit back against United with Ten Hag. We're going to dominate possession. They're going to play the low block. They're going to park the bus. And we saw time and time again, didn't we, under Oli, that United struggled to break down. That was actually almost why we didn't go to that next level. We couldn't break teams down, move the ball quickly. Um, you know, we didn't look like we were we were we were trained. Like you watch City, they they've got patterns of play that like consistently. You know, it's it's almost repetition. Break teams down, move the ball quickly, rotations, use the width. I mean, Martinez is so so key to that. When we've got, I don't know who it is, some team I'm trying to think of a relegation team, Fulham turning up and they're going to park the bus, for example. Yeah, what you say about Fulham parking the bus, I think what you find again now is that more than half of the teams in the Premier League play a progressive style and they don't change their style to kind of fit the opponent unless it's Man City. So if it's Man City and everyone's frightened, you park the bus. Most teams come to Old Trafford now and play progressive football and we're a bit like, oh, look, here we go. So I think the thing is, is that that's not too much of a concern. It's about finding your own identity first. doesn't matter what you're playing start on yourself look within so like you said just said there and you've highlighted a lot of those uh those percentiles which are really important what are the most important ones there well i'm sure people are sent about what we say well hang on is a guy here that doesn't clear the ball he's like 16th percentile you know what's what's going on there and only only not he's only nine percent there in blocks that's a good thing because you don't want your centre-back just clearing the ball and blocking all the time. That's not what you want to do. You know what annoys me the most? Victor Lindorf, his hand, hands behind his back. There, he does that thing to try so, and block the ball. So oh, annoying, just get yeah. my block percentiles up here, guys. No, look, 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 look. This is what we're trying to move away from. You've still got those players who can do those things. But what you want is a centre-back that doesn't think like that first, doesn't think I've just got to clear the ball. You want a centre-back that gets the ball and goes, Hmm, two passes, we're out here, and Marcus Rashford's in for a goal on his own. So that's what you're trying to develop here. I mean, I said when you, you've, you've already uh, brought up some of them there, progressive passes, 99% percentile, passes attempted, 99%. It, it, I, I believe in Europe, he is the second best centre-back in Europe, in all the European top leagues, at doing that. So that's what you're really buying. That's, that's getting that ball from A to Z, both quickly, both efficiently, and come on, Hader, we've spoken about so many uh, masterclasses. What do we get really annoyed at is how Man United lose the ball cheaply from and all the time. And what you've been trying to do for a long time is give the ball to Scott McTominay and tell Scott McTominay to do that job. You won't be doing that anymore. You'll be having Martinez stepping out of the pocket and he will sprint past people, Hader. You know, Eric Bailly's been doing it, hasn't he? Eric Bailly's been oh, I've been, the ball. I've been quite impressed. Look, he, he's, he's, absolutely, uh, he's, he's mad as a box of frogs. You know, one minute he'll do something amazing and he'll do something crazy. But he's been really good at stepping out, at driving with the ball and playing a pass. And that's because it's a direct instruction from his manager. So he's doing it because he knows, well, if I get it wrong, it's right. My manager is telling me to do this. My manager wants the centre-backs to step out with the ball and sprint. And United have scored two goals on this tour out of the, out of the eight goals so far. From that, from a player stepping out from centre-back, Martinez is going to do it every week, day, like minute after minute after minute. That will be his job, to go from that centre-back position, but to be almost on the edge of the box before he passes the ball. That means Man United can shift up from their kind of mid-block that they've played over time and be really, really high up the pitch. And that helps players like Anthony Martial massively, who are like one-touch merchants. 
Jaden Sancho, who really only wants one or two touches, doesn't want a lot of touches, does he? So again, looking at Ole's system, Ole's was always about kind of progression, but rigidity, coverage, and it was quite dull, wasn't it? We'd say, oh, you know, they, they don't have any flair, and the flair players struggled with that. It, was it wasn't progressive, but it hurt the progressive players. What you're seeing now is that Martinez is a progressive, 100% is progressive. That's what he is from the centre back. Christian Eriksen is a progressive. Malachir is a progressive. Yeah. And if Dion comes, and as I said, I think we probably will get there eventually, but I would not be surprised if it's not a deadline day signing. Really would not be surprised. Um, if he comes, he's a progressive. So this is what you're adding. And this is why I keep saying to United fans be patient. It's better than just pl adding players for players' sake. And I actually think the manager did say something like that yesterday as well. He said, we are being very, very specific about the players we're bringing in at the moment because we could go and get everyone, but we don't want to do that. We want to bring in players that really help us and that develop this new Manchester United style. Well, I'm just going to take off on a tangent in a minute because um, I'm mm -hmm. seeing... So so this... Whoever Ten Hag wants, and I think this is a positive Ten Hag is getting. You know, Ten Hag wanted Malaysia. He's getting it. He wanted... Martinez, obviously Arsenal were very heavily linked with him. They're in discussions. They were leading the way. Soon as uh, Ten Hag said, I want him, the club moved and got him swiftly. So you've got to, you've got to applaud them for that. Christian Eriksen's another player that he wanted. De Jong's a player that he wants. I've seen a lot of um, people call this strategy unsustainable. They're saying, oh, well, you know, just bring in what the manager wants. Where's the strategy? You said it earlier, we sacked our scouts. But ultimately, at the end of the day, this is what we want, right? If Ten Hag is saying, I want this player because he's going to fit into my system XYZ is this profile, then that sorry, I do you repeat that you've lost you again. I'm back. Yeah, 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 yeah. No problem. What Ten Hag was saying was no, what people are saying is Ten Hag's only signed players he knows or he's signing players X, Y, and Z. But surely that's what we want, right? He's saying this is my system, this is a profile I want, this is a player I want because of X, Y, and Z, and he's getting them. That's a positive, that's only a positive. That's exactly anyway. what you want. That's exactly what you want. And I, you, I don't and know you why don't... people are complaining about that. I think people complain because they just want to complain. I, I do think that's kind of a lot, a lot of our culture, especially at Manchester United. You know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You know, there's a there's a conversation going on today about uh, Tony from uh, Brentford and would he be a good fit? And generally people kind of, you know, they look at these things and it's always about, well, would I want to wear his shirt? Well, probably I, not. I'll take but, it, Rob. But, well, yeah, because then the reason why you take him is because he's a Ten Hag type player. So this is what you need to bring in now is that that's got to be the MO. Bring in players that are not, not your big wage, big ego um, kind of Mourinho type signings, you need to bring in players now that help the squad. And that's got to be the mantra. And, you know, as I said there about the, about the scouting department, the scouting department has literally been obliterated and gone. Everyone who's been there all the way back to kind of just on the edge of David Moyes, basically, has now been shown the door. And let's be honest, the reason for that is because they failed. They failed to recruit players that have helped Manchester United. So they got the bullet and, and about time. So Ten Hag, when he came to the club, this was one of the big things that he wanted in his project was control. So if any Man United fans are complaining that Ten Hag's getting what he wants and that's a problem, I really think you're at the wrong football club. I really do. Like He's getting the players that he wants and needs. And this is why the De Jong thing will carry on for a bit longer. 
Because even though Barcelona are playing horrible games here, silly games, and it's not very nice to watch, eventually they will want the player out and you can then go and get the player. And I would say he doesn't want to play for Man United. It's not actually factual. It's, it's a case that... It, let's, let's touch on that, actually, Rob, because yeah. a lot of people are saying, well, why are United chasing him? United wouldn't go and agree a deal. They wouldn't fly in if the player hadn't given indication that he wants to come to Manchester United. But Correct. The third wages, I just don't understand. The, the, it's, I'm just going to call it idiocy in the fan base of people that are like, oh, he doesn't want to come. Like, what? United wouldn't go through all those lengths. We, we've called him incompetent in the past. They wouldn't be that amateur to go through all those lengths and then for him to turn around, but all right, now I don't want to come. It's just nonsense. And the way Barcelona have conducted themselves as well has been, as, as Heli said, awful. Uh, you know, the oil players, 70 million, they're buying players, you know, Lewandowski, Rafinha. But let's give a bit of an inside scoop on what's going on because people are just losing their minds. It's actually quite, I mean, it's just, it's usual May night. It's actually just quite boring to watch, to be honest, at the minute. People just reacting to every single little bit of news that they see on Twitter. Yeah, look, it's, it's not a case of just playing devil's advocate. And I've said this uh, countless times, but Frankie de Jong is not the be-all and end-all of this project. And that's a good thing. You know, if you don't get Frankie de Jong, it doesn't mean next year you're not coming top four, you're not going to win a trophy, you're not going to be better than you were the previous year. The reason why you're getting Frankie de Jong and you're going for Frankie de Jong and you're sticking with Frankie de Jong is that you know, one, that Barcelona are going to sell him. Because if they don't send him to Man United, they'll send him somewhere else. They will do. They'll find a buyer and they'll sell him because he's a top player. But the second part of this is, is that, yes, Frankie de Jong prefers life in Barcelona. Who wouldn't? But he's already told Eric Ten Hag that he's willing to come to Manchester United. So this is a business transaction. And I think, again, people got to kind of understand that sometimes these situations get sticky. And yes, other clubs can sometimes execute deals quicker. We see City do it. We see Liverpool do it. I know there's countless examples but if you want that player and Ten Hag says, that's the guy who is going to be my kind of, you know, between six and eight, and he's the guy that I want Martinez to get the ball to every time, and he's then going to turn and get the ball to Sancho, and then Sancho's going to look inside and find the striker or give the ball to Ericsson on the edge of the box or Bruno. This is how managers think. So you have to go with how the manager is thinking. If tomorrow Frankie Dion rings up, Eric Ten Hag goes... No, nope, I don't want to come to Manchester United. It's definitely not cut. I'm not happening. I don't want to do it. I never wanted to play for you ever again. Manchester United will be gone and getting another player. So Manchester United are inquiring. Well, Ru Ru Ruben Neves players. will be coming in, Rob. Well, you, you say Ruben Neves, but we we we, took, we there's a, again another wider discussion about Ruben Neves and why things haven't haven't uh, happened. For Wolves, Wolves have not found that player to replace him, and there seems to be this kind of impasse now with him saying, "Well, we don't want to sell you just yet." He's a bit like, "Well, I'm willing to stay." But if you go and buy Ruben Neves, does Ruben Neves now fit in front of Martinez? Not for me. No, not in this not, style. Not as he fit, fluid. He fits maybe in front of Maguire and Lindelof a bit better, but not maybe in front of Martinez and Varane. So this is all about, like we talk about progressive football. This is also about progressive thinking. So I think when you look at, at Neves, Neves would actually cost more than De Jong at the moment in terms of his price value, which is crazy, but it's true. And it's a player that Wolves don't have to sell. What we know about De Jong is that Barcelona do need to sell De Jong. Absolutely. Their finances are absolutely all over the place. Yes, they've had this relief loan and it's 500 million. It will help them a lot. But they're desperate to get a big earner off the wage uh, wage bill. And De Jong is going to be earning something like £400,000 a week at Barcelona this year after two years of deferred wages. So they want him gone. So Man United are doing the right thing. Sit and wait 
And if you don't get him and you start the season without Frankie de Jong, okay. Like, again, United fans are so rabid around this. Oh, we've got to get every player in. You're not going to probably get six, seven, eight, nine, ten players in this window. If you get four really good players and you've already got three, you've done all right. You can then look forward. And I do think Manchester United are looking at a striker and that will be the next piece as well coming into the football club. Yeah, and um, we will be a show on that, Rob. But just a couple more questions uh, to add. So it's about De Jong. So one says, what if Barcelona don't want to pay De Jong? And then the other one's saying, why are we holding out for De Jong? We should look at Ndidi. So we've spoken about why Ndidi wouldn't be a good fit uh, for the things that Ten Hag wants that player to do. But let's talk about the sort of, you know, what if Barcelona don't pay De Jong? Because it is a problem. Yeah, look, they, they they don't want to pay De Jong. This is like they've just bought Lewandowski for a ton of cash in terms of his wages as well. Um, we knew that when they were um, trying to move around their midfield and their defence, and they were looking at pieces, they were trying to find a player to get out of the club off the bill that ticks that big box of the wage, and that was De Jong. So the other side of this is, is now they've got Frank Kessie and they've got their two obviously highly incredible youngsters in that midfield. The question is, is, is De Jong even going to play? And I think the bigger the bigger question at the moment is, a bigger answer to that question is, no, he's not. So if that's the case, you move him on. But you've got to try and move him on without erupting the market. And I do think it's quite interesting that when Chelsea were touted for De Jong, it went very quickly because... De Jong had already said that he's only going to sign for Man United. That's something we know. So we know that he's only said, if I'm going, I'm going to Manchester United and I'm going to play for Ten Hag because I spoke to Ten Hag. I like Ten Hag. I'll go and do that. He wasn't overly impressed with, with what Chelsea had on offer. But of course, people put two and two together because they're Champions League club. So we're like, oh, you know, yeah, Champions League club, it's obvious. So they've been talking to each other last week. No, I think, again, just it, it needs people need to simmer down. And if we don't get De Jong, that's also okay. You'll go and get your next target. And this is a long build. People want it done in like three, four, five, six weeks. It's not going to happen. Manchester United have been a complete, like fragmented mess for 10 years. And this manager is having to solve 10 years worth of problems in a relatively short space of time. This build is going to be one to two to three years, Haydar. Yeah. And it means that if you don't get target number one today, you don't just go and get the next guy. That's a bad way of doing it. If if the manager looks at Ruben Nevers and says, you know what, you're good, Ruben Nevers, but you cannot do what I want you to do. Don't pay 80 million for him. Please don't. Because that's what Man United have done for a long time, isn't it? We want a striker. Romelu Lukaku scores loads of goals at Everton. He lives down the road. Let's go just pay it by him. And that's great. A year later, you're selling him. It's bad business. So I think all these players that are coming in now are players that you want to stay at your football club for at least the next four or five years. Absolutely. Let's move on, Rob, now to Maguire. And this uh, the title of the show has obviously caused a bit of a stir with some people because they're like, oh, well, why he's not replacing Maguire? It's going to place with Varane. So we're actually going to talk about Varane and Maguire. Now, before mm-hmm. we even do this, Rob, I'm going to say one thing in general about football and football players. Your biggest superpower is staying fit doesn't matter how good you are. If you mm-hmm. can't stay fit, you're not much used to to, to your team or to, to anything, really. So when we talk about whether it's Maguire, because I think it will be one of Varane and Maguire, and one of them will eventually lose their place to, to Martinez, probably, probably pretty soon in the season. When you look at Harry Maguire, we already said why he 
you know, why he probably won't play on the left-hand side if Martinez is playing because, you know, the, the balance and uh, Ten Hag likes to build up with left-sided, left centre-back, right-sided, right centre-back. When you look at Maguire's stats here as well, I mean, look, no one at Man United really had a good season. Um, so, you know, he is pretty low, but look, he's still progressively carried very, very well. 81st percentile, you can see. Um, you can also see that, uh, you know, he's been decent in terms of his pass attempt. He's all right, you know, just just under 60th percentile. Pass completion as well was was all okay. But when you're having a look at it, one of my concerns with Harry Maguire in the side, and we, and we said about this in preseason, was, look, you don't necessarily have to be quick for a high line. We've seen that. We've seen Lindelof and Maguire play a high line. How many times have they been, you know, gas or pace uh, from the high line? Not, not many times. But my biggest issue really is more to do with athleticism and his ability to turn. And that's where he's very, very slow. So when I look at him and I look at um, Martinez as a partnership, I'm not so sure in, in terms of that synergy. I think they'd be good in terms of ball progression. But I'm not too sure how that partnership would work. Uh, and that's why I do agree that if Varane could keep fit, it would be Martinez and uh, Varane. Although, you know, Maguire is captain and people are saying, oh, the captain can't get dropped. I don't think Ten Hag really cares about that. Like I said, they don't care about captaincy. The, the armband just goes to the most senior player generally in European football. That's how it works. It doesn't mean they're an automatic starter. Um, I think with Maguire, and this is where the conundrum will unfold itself with this player, is that he has played his virtually his whole career on the left side of centre-back, but now you have a coach who fundamentally just won't do that, just not going to have a right-footed player playing on the left side. So does that mean that Harry Maguire automatically switches to the right? Well, only if he's any good on the right. Is he going to be good on the right? Like, I don't know. Like, this is the thing. It's like Maguire is going to have to learn to adapt. Forget about the price tag. Forget about the captaincy. Forget about, you know, England international standing and all of that. It's about the team. If it works for the team, then Maguire will play. You know, we saw, obviously, it's it's a preseason game, so definitely not going to go, like, crazy about it. But you saw uh, with the goal the other day with Melbourne, the, the ball goes from the right-hand side. They're pushed too high up, so they're out of position. They kind of went almost the other side of the halfway line, again, kind of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer tactic. Uh, what happened? Lindelof got skinned on the right-hand side. Chug, 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 chug. Maguire's going back. The, the forward is literally saying, I'm just going to run this channel and I'll stay on side because this is too easy. And then he taps the ball in past Heaton. That's what you're trying to avoid. Now, that's what Man United did all season, wasn't it, last year, Haydar? Those goals, you weren't getting killed all the time on a counter, but what you were doing was just making real simple mistakes. So that's what I'm going to judge Harry Maguire on this year. Can he have a season that when he plays, whether that be as a substitute or as a starter, can he make sure he doesn't make errors? Because he makes too many errors. Victor Lindelof as well. Victor Lindelof, pretty good on the ball, a good ball carrier, can be really progressive. I think you might see some games that it will be Martinez starting with Lindelof. I've just got that feeling. Or Martinez with Baye. I get that feeling because I just think, I don't know if Maguire will immediately assimilate to playing on the right-hand side. I'm not sure that's where he feels Rob, most Rob, he's never really done it before. I know Ralph tried no. the end of last season. Oli liked on left. But wherever he's played left, and even when he plays for England, you know, he's in a three, so he's not playing, you know. Well, on the and Ralph right, did but... it for the same reasons. Ralph did exactly the same reasons. Ralph was like, I want a left-footed player on this side. I want a right-footed player on that side. Ralph Ranić is a archetypal German coach, you know, European style. He's like, this is how we do it. So 
those coaches now exist in, in uh, the Premier League. Klopp is one, Guardiola is one. We've now got one at Manchester United. He's going to play football like that. So this is all about how Ma Harry Maguire can really kind of grab the flag and chase it. And do you know what I mean? And see and wave it and kind of go, yeah, look, look what I can do at the back. Because I think that's what worries me is that he can get his confidence back. He's not the worst footballer in the world. This is the other side of the coin is that at his very best, he is a good defender. But when you look at those stats from last year, they're not very good. They're all right. There's bits and pieces that look better than other parts. But for his style of game, you kind of want Harry Maguire now to become that self-styled ball-carrying centre-back. He needs to be that player because I tell you what, he can't run back. He can't cover. He's not very good at helping the fullback in that way. And all of those things have been exposed in the last 12 months. Yeah, but Rob, to add here, look, you look at all the key metrics that Ten Hag wants from his, you know, we're talking about progressive carries, progressive passes, passes attempted, um, you know, the tackles as well. I know, look, you got to look at stylistically as well. United under Ranić weren't anywhere remotely as close to what they were doing, what they will do under Ten Hag or what Martinez did at Ajax with Ten Hag. But when you do look at those underlying statistics, they are poor. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. Look, I, I think if Man United were you know, want to win the title, I don't think they can start with Harry Maguire with 38 games in the Premier League, in my opinion. It's um, going to be about who impresses Hader. Like, so whatever you and me both think, or any, on any of our audience oh, or doesn't matter. fans, it, doesn't it really matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. And this is what this is why like, I did see in the comments there, we might talk about him a little bit in terms of Iqbal and Savage. Because again, if you took Iqbal and Savage from the end of last season, obviously we know what they did in terms of their youth setup and how well they played. If you said this year one of them was going to be a starter, Man United fans would be like, what? But you know what? They might be. If you don't get Frankie de Jong, the manager might go, I just need a young player in there that can put the ball from A to Z. That's what you want. And Iqbal showed the other day that when he gets the ball at his feet, he doesn't give it away. Economical. And Savage, uh, I described this on my other show as having the most amazing vocabulary with the ball at his feet. He knows what to do with it. He, does, he can do 20-yard passes, 5-yard passes, 40-yard passes. He just knows. It's an instinctual thing in his brain. It's in his DNA. And Certainly you see better, with McTominay, better than his dad. McTominay can't do that. Like, and McTominay isn't though. that style of player. Yeah. So, you know, you could take one of those two lads and you might go, do you know what? We didn't get Frankie de Jong because him and Laporta had a big cuddle and he gave him £17 million. Pounds. Everyone's happy again. And that's the end of that. But if you've got these young pieces... Man United fans are going to have to watch that this year. And it's the same thing with Harry Maguire. If Harry Maguire comes back into the team and plays really well, we'll all be happy. We'll all be got like, Harry's cracked it. He's done it. Oh, look, he doesn't look like he's a problem anymore. So I do think that Man United are going to start with the ball. Uh, and I've been watching this in the, in the, in the tour. You know, the, the De Gea starting position. We talked about this, didn't we, on our last shows. De Gea has started on the edge of the box. Yeah. And the, and the first ball... Well. And the first ball he plays is not to the fullbacks with the, with the centre-backs going wide. That's not happening. The centre-backs have been told to push on a little bit and De Gea plays a much straighter ball. And I was like, well, that will suit Harry Maguire. He's never going to get exposed then. If you play it to his feet, he'll have space. He'll be able to turn. And he'll, and he'll be almost like a de facto defensive midfielder then in the position. He'll be able to turn and see the game. And what happens at Man United is they don't ever see the game, do they? They pass the ball, they pass the ball, they pass the ball, they lose the ball. And then they just lose a goal. So all of those things you see are, are the bits that are going to knit together now in the first few weeks of the season. Absolutely. Uh, I agree with you when you talk about two youngsters, Savage and uh, Iqbal. And they've really impressed me. 
I think, look... Very mature players. Very, very, very mature. They've got those, like you said, instinctive... Uh, I like to I like to call them like technical fundamentals. And yeah. awareness of space, so important. It mm. really surprised me, Rob. Uh, and yes, Charlie Savage is better than his dad. His dad wasn't a great footballer. But no, they've been <laughs> really good. And, and they're fearless. And that's really key. So it'd be interesting to see. I want to see Jimmy Garner. I know he was injured. So I want to see what he does as well, because he's a yeah. player that I really like. I want to see Hannibal as well. I'd be interested to see. I think Hannibal will be one of the eights if that's where he's going to play. I don't see him playing, you know, as as let's say the, the deeper player. But Rob, let's let's talk about Rafa Varane before we wrap mm -hmm. up, uh, guys. Thank you so much. There's so many of you in the comments right now and watching. A lot of new listeners, guys. Please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. See this on Twitter as well. Give it a share. We want to grow this community. We are only on day five of ten days of ten hard. You've got five more amazing shows coming up, and you've also got four more. If you haven't seen that already, guys, make sure you check that out. We talk about Ronaldo. We talk about Frankie. Talk about my last year as well. Um, and there's one more that I've forgotten. Oh, David De Gea uh, as well. Yeah. So, David De Gea. So, we might have to redo the striker one at some stage, but make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Rob, look, if we said Harry Maguire's stats were bad, Varane's stats last season were bad, we, we were both really excited because genuine, you know, world class talent. I think someone said this to me, someone that watches a lot of Spanish football, and I, and I won't forget this. And he said to me before he joined, he said, if Rafa Varane can keep fit, he's one of the best centre-backs in the world. He's got everything. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is the last two years at Real Madrid, he was injured, you know, for, for large chunks of it. And that, for me, is probably a reason why Real did say, yep, yeah, we'll let Varane go. They went and got Alaba. They won the Champions League. Um, but I also think that when you look at it, if United can manage his minutes and say, right, we're going to play Varane in... The, mainly in the Premier League, most of the big games, maybe some of the big cup games, let's say we're, we're deep in the Europa League. If United can do that management and he can play 38, 39, 40 games a season, I think United have done pretty well. And then if you've got, let's say, Lindelof, who's a competent replacement, let's say Harry Maguire, if he doesn't start, Eric Bailly, like you said, um, if he isn't sold. If United, and they manage the players' minutes correctly and, they, and you know everyone gets game time, I think United could get the best out of Rafa Varane. Yes, but I, I'm not comfortable with having a piece like Raphael Varane, who you need to be a kind of centrepiece of your team to build around in terms of the function and him being a, a, a like a minute manager. Like, you're going to have to manage Ronaldo's minutes this year better than you did last year because Ronaldo looked like an old man after 75 minutes, didn't he? And it, you could see how that was affecting him. And his game, his game isn't based around those things that you need at centre-forward anyway. But I think when you need a centre-back, you need a pairing that play every week. So, yes, he could play just primarily Premier League and, you know, miss the cup games. I think that'll probably be the case. I can't see United going all out in the Europa this year, though. I'm sure that there'll be lots of rotation there. But I, I think the thing is, Haydar, you've got to keep looking forward at the moment. You know, so if Rafa Varane is not the guy because he can't stay fit and he has problems, you need to move him out at the end of the season. That will be how it is. That's that you have to be ruthless with this. If Rafa Varane can stay fit and certainly put together a ton of stats better than that, because those stats are rank for him, they're not very good at all, they're poor, then yes. He stays, he partners Martinez and everyone's happy. So this is kind of where I think you are with, with Manchester United's defence is that, as I keep saying, it's Martinez plus one, Butcher plus one, as I'm going to keep marking it. And it's who will take that right-sided uh, uh, berth. Yes, Varane is the natural choice, but his body is falling apart. And it's it's a problem. Like there's, there is a feedback from the camp and has been for really the whole of last year. And even now into preseason, he just struggles to get fit. 
struggles to be and, at his and peak. it's muscle muscle problems as well we and, and if that's the case then Hader, you can't say let's manage his minutes you can't you've you got can't to say, rely on him Rob. you've got to say he can't start you're just going to have to be a very well-paid sub and we'll have to get rid of you because it, it's 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 a bit like phil jones isn't it but in a kind of different dimension is that it's all very well a player having certain skill set but if they can't do it and can't get on a football pitch you know what was the catchphrase you used about fitness a minute ago it's your, it's your superpower. It's a superpower. It's your superpower. Yeah. So, like, yeah. players, and it's, it's totally true. If you can stay fit and you're consistent, you will play every game pretty much, and most players can handle it. But I, I'm worried about Varane, not because of the kind of play that he is, but the Premier League is a physical league, and, and he maybe doesn't have the aggression of a Martinez. I think Martinez will enjoy the struggles with a Jamie Vardy or someone like that. You know, he would like to chase and harry and kick and you know, get get kind of, you know, gritting teeth against forwards. Varane's a little bit more of a Rolls-Royce. But again, as I said on one of my other shows, it's no good if that Rolls-Royce hasn't got an engine. And that's kind of how it feels with Varane, is that you need him to be fit this year. He needs to be able to play 30 Premier League starts. That's what you need, at least, at least 30, 31, 32. And if he can play well with Martinez, then you can win games, Haydar, and you can be in that top four. And I still think this year that is the goal. You've got to try and be in the top four this year and try and do something in the cup competitions and have a feel-good season where, at the end of it, we're all going, yeah, do you know what? People are getting into the Ten Hag way. Varane can help that, but Varane has to stay fit. Final word, Rob. Uh, what I will say is this. I think Martinez is a, a guaranteed starter. We That's what I think on the left-hand side. And then you've got Bailly, Lindelof, Maguire, Varane. They've all got their positives, but they've also all got flaws. So I, th- yeah. I actually think that right-hand side of defence, centre-back, is, is open. It's fair game. Whoever Definitely. can whoever can stay fit, whoever can adopt you know, the role quickly, whoever can who can do their role to a high level, whoever meshes well with, with Martinez is, is going to get that position. So I actually think it's quite open. What I will say as well, though, is that I think Varane's ability, if he's playing at the top of his game, is, is the best centre-back in Man United, though, without a shadow of a doubt. But I just don't see how that's going to change when you've seen it's now three years of of injury after injury after injury. Such a shame because I really do like him and and I think that he's a popular guy in the squad as well. He's he's a player I wanted for years. Obviously, he went and signed Phil Jones instead of him. And I was really excited when he joined, but I am getting concerned with the injuries. What I will say, though, is that um, I think that right side of centre-back, whoever plays there, is going to be a stopgap. And I think next season, United will have to bring in a top-quality right back, uh, right centre-back to join the club if they want to push to the next level. Because I don't think... I think Maguire's very good progressive wise but i think he's got flaws he makes mistakes by his injury prone he's erratic lindelof is, is, is cultured on the ball but he lacks uh in, in certain areas of his game uh Varane is injury prone so when you're looking at those four options unless you're gonna go and say mengi but mengi's left with i believe as well i had high hopes for axel to maybe he'll be shipped out um i really like axel and i really thought he'd kick on but it hasn't worked for him i think he'll be shipped out so when you have a look at united's options could be a bit of a problem. Yeah, I, I still think it is way too early to kind of pass real any judgment on what might happen. I know we're here to kind of make some of those predictions. Um, when we say they're not good enough, they are they're all international footballers, but I'm I'm going to really kind of pin my master and keep doing this. It's about the team. So I don't care who plays the right side as long as it works. If it works and we win games, 
Harry Maguire could play every game and be captain, and I just do not care. So this is the I, thing I'm about the same as you on that, though. Yeah, I think I think Man United is a popularity contest. Has been for a very long time with fans. It has, you know, it's been I love this player, I love that player, I don't like that player, and that will always persist. But I think it's now about how do you find a, a defense that also helps De Gea? Because this is the other thing we said about David De Gea. Not the greatest passer out of the ball, but if you give him a five-yard pass or a 10-yard pass to someone who's better on the ball than what we've had, it will work. Don't worry about it. You don't have to then say, why does David De Gea not play like Edison? So it's about the team. And can you get all of these parts moving and fixed? I do think that if you think the first two games of the tour, and obviously people might be watching this way after the tour or kind of after the second game, you can see in those first matches that Man United found a way to get up the pitch quickly. They play efficiently in and around the box. Jaden Sancho looks dynamite. Marcus Rashford looks fit. And Anthony Martial looks like a centre-forward again to me. He's staying right in that middle channel. And he's not moving. He's been told, stay on the penalty spot. Do not move. We'll find I'd you. I'd rather watch that front three than see Ronaldo come back. Oh. And that's from Haydar, one of the biggest Ronaldo fans I know. So the thing is, you're right. And I agree with that. I, I, I look, again, I'm looking forward. I'm looking for progression. I do not have any agenda against Cristiano. I do not hate him or any of that stuff I just look at it and say will he help us win next year and I get the feeling that again he'll score 20 25 goals and we will come fifth I'm not interested in that I want to see Man United win and I and, and there is that as you can see in the early days from back to front there's good things and it's only two games I know it's stupid but you feel that you feel that the manager those early instructions have kind of gone in here and if you had a Martinez you add a De Jong or even other players we've not spoken about. You know, we talked about Tony today. All players that can play with the ball at their feet and link and bring other players into play. Uh, other player I'm really excited about is Christian Eriksson. I know we've not talked about him. But I think Christian Eriksson... We'll, we'll do a show on him, Rob, I think. I think so he's going to be worldy next year because there's so much left in his tank. There's no problem with his health or his fitness. And this is this is a freebie. He's free. He's a free transfer on a decent wage. But he's got nothing to prove. Like, his stats are outrageous, you know. So let's see where we go with this. I think Man United are in a good, healthy position. And I think the centre-back position now with Martinez is much, much improved. Absolutely. And look, guys, thank you so much for all your comments. Thank you for all the fantastic uh, insights as well. And uh, make sure you do check out those other episodes uh, that we did. We did four episodes before this. This is day five. Martinez is joining Man United, the Butcher of Manchester. We can't wait to see him, and we will see you all next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 